0: navigating the travel world doesn't have to be complicated. Whether you want to hack your points in miles, figure out where to travel next, or you just need advice on an ethical dilemma. I'm Aislinn Green, host of Unpacked by Afar. And in the brand new season, we are unpacking the most captivating and challenging topics in the travel industry, one conversation at a time. topics like the sexiness of travel insurance and the perils of quote-unquote "bad tourism," and even the secrets to flying with children and not losing your mind in the process. Listen to Unpacked by far wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC podcast.
1: This is The Secret Life of Canada, Crash Course, Just a Little Bit of History. So today's Crash Course is on trees.
0: I'm excited. (laughs) The story about how some of them got to Canada and just what they can tell us about the history of this land.
1: Okay, well, I I love this. I am a a fan of trees.
0: I I think most people are. There's not (laughs) a lot of, you know, it's the one thing we can all agree on. Um, so what are your favorites? Like, what what are your tree faves? You know,
1: it's weird because I do feel like I kind of have one. There was a maple tree um uh, near a house. Like, one of the houses I lived in growing up on the res was a big red maple tree, and I used to love to climb it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, I love
0: a birch tree.
1: Oh, yeah, birches are good.
0: When I was a kid, I would love peeling the dead bark off, and then I would write my friends' notes on them. I just, I love doing that. You had friends? <laughs> Uh, uh. I did, but it looks like I may have one less now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, after you started passing them weird birch notes.
0: This This is like a nice memory I'm telling you that you're crapping all over. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm
1: sorry. No, I, I, I <laughs> tell me about trees.
0: Okay. Well, actually, I learned that there are many different kinds of birch trees specifically. Mm. Like the one I grew up around has a bunch of different names. It's called the paper birch, the white birch, or the canoe birch because many First Nations used it to make canoes. But we also have yellow birches and mountain white birches,
1: all of which are indigenous here to this land. And so do we have a lot of trees that Are not from here.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, The most surprising thing I learned was that pre-contact, you know, before European settlers got here, there were no sweet apple trees. The only indigenous apple we actually have here is the crab apple.
1: I did not know that.
0: I have also learned this. My mom used to make crab apple jam and crab apple jelly because we had a crab apple tree and I hated it. So I feel bad about that. But, um, Yeah. Apple, sweet apples, were brought here in the 1630s by French settlers and planted in Nova Scotia's Annapolis Valley. So for years, there was really only one kind of apple tree and one variety of apple, and that was the famous or snow apple. From then on, apples were grown by mostly Acadians, and they were mostly used to make apple cider. Well,
1: I could get on board with that. (laughs) <laughs> Just some I love apple some cider. cider. I love cider. I <laughs> do. I do. I do. You do. It's interesting because it's like trees were you know like so genetically manipulated, like kind of in the same way that dogs are. You, you- know, <laughs> like people have really gotten in there. <laughs> Yeah, I we've don't really messed with it. We've really, yeah. <laughs> no one listened to
0: me. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I try not to, but we have okay. to do this show. So <laughs> here we hard. are. So, <laughs> yeah. but here's the other interesting factoid about the mm-hmm. apple tree when it got here people also use the bark to make yellow dye for clothing, like that, because it's very, has mm. a real yellow tinge. So, um, yeah, it was really useful to them, to the early settlers.
1: Well, that's interesting. So they were brought here mm-hmm. and they grew well.
0: Well, actually, no. <laughs> That's <laughs> oh. the thing. People love the fruit, obviously, but the trees are just not into living here. It takes a lot of work to keep an apple tree alive. Hmm. Even today, they need to be pruned a lot. Growers have to help them seed and they actually get a lot of diseases, which um, humans really have to
1: help them out with. Yeah, it's almost like they're saying like, um, hey... I need extra care because, like, uh, I'm not from here. Uh. Actually, yeah. The apple tree originated
0: in an area between the Caspian and Black Sea, so kind of near where Kazakhstan is today. And apple trees like a warm, watery climate. And so that's why they don't survive winter here. They have to grow closer to water. That's why they are planted in places like near Lake Ontario, you know, Nova Scotia, southern BC. Even when they have all of those things, apple trees may not bear fruit until they're about five or ten years old. You know, it
1: takes them a lot. I've noticed that Mm -hmm. because I feel like everybody's bought an apple tree or a fruit tree for their parents or like mother's day or father's day or something like that, or their grandparent, and then it just never does anything.
0: I love that you're like, everyone's bought an apple tree and had it tank, (laughs) but I never have. So that's interesting. Everyone's done this. (laughs) So now I'm going to tell you about the complete opposite kind of tree. It's indigenous to these parts. Its family members are some of the oldest living things in Canada and are really our greatest living knowledge keepers. So the trees that I'm talking about are called yellow cedars, and they can live thousands of years. In 2014, the oldest recorded tree was a yellow cedar that was 1,036 years old, and the next oldest was 675, and they were found in B.C., that's pretty amazing. It is. So yellow cedars live a long time because they are the opposite of apple trees. They are from here. They seem to have good immune systems. They don't actually catch a lot of diseases. And they can grow in sub-alpine zones, which means they can grow on the edge of a tree line where trees no longer grow. Their trunks are key habitat for bears and other wildlife. And, you know, they can house multiple generations of bears. So, like, Grandpa <laughs> oh. Bear, Little <laughs> Miss Bear. I don't uh, know.
1: I just, like, yes... Uh, we are we are writing a children's a series of children's novels now, but man, I just saw Grandpa Bear so clearly in my mind. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. He's got it's glasses. just the visual you have. <laughs> Grandpa Bear does have glasses. The oldest recorded yellow cedar in Canada was one thousand eight hundred and thirty-five years old. But unfortunately, some idiots went and cut it down when they were clear-cutting trees in the 80s. We know that it existed because a stump was found by a conservation group in the 90s. Those
1: conservationists must have been so sad when they found that stump.
0: Oh, man, it's a tragedy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the stump of that tree still told the story of its life and how... Humans learn the stories that trees hold. They do that through reading the rings of a tree. You know, mm-hmm. as trees get older, they age. I mean, a lot of people know this, but they age from the center out. And it's almost like a layer of dead skin or bark remains. And then it creates a ring around the trunk. The science of it is called dendrochronology.
1: I know dendrochronology. Canolo- <laughs> I can't say it. But, I, yes, I've heard of this. I've you heard know of a this. thing. I, I, <laughs> I, I know. I know a thing. I, I do find it super fascinating, though.
0: I do too. And I think most people know, you know, yes, okay, the rings tell the age, but most people don't know that they're recording other stuff. They can tell us if a forest fire happened hundreds of years ago, or even show if something pushed against the tree as it was growing. That's like, uh, yeah,
1: (laughs) I find this so fascinating. So, you know, what can a super old you know, yellow cedar tell you?
0: Well, most were alive
1: pre contact, so
0: before any settlers landed, and so they can tell us not only the type of ecosystem the tree was a part of, but they also show what kind of weather was happening over those years and how it could have affected the humans living at that time. Um, they can show droughts and floods, just so many things. Researchers can also tell through the rings how forests were managed before colonization and what happened after. You know, many show that when colonization took hold, there were no new trees growing because many indigenous people were not around to manage the forest. We forget that forests actually are managed by people. They always have been. And so they also show when that changed and things began to grow again when people came back. It's really interesting. Yeah, because
1: it's like a record of colonization.
0: Yeah, even the stumps. There's a stump in North Surrey, B.C. that people there call the red cedar stump. And it was about a thousand years old when it was cut. Wow. And so it's like this massive, huge... Stump. It's really its own museum Mm. to pre-settlement life in the area and to what happened when the town began to form and industry came because, you know, forestry played such a crucial role in Surrey's settlement. And so it shows, you know, kind of the size of the kind of trees cleared by early loggers. It actually even has springboard markings that were notches cut into trees that would allow the loggers to insert a board and stand
1: higher up off the ground to cut the tree. Right. Yes. Yes. So, in a way, it's like it's saying, like, here is how I died. Like, here, (laughs) here, like, here's my entire life. Like, here's my autobiography in stump form.
0: Completely. It wants everyone to know, you know, there's another tree in Surrey, which is pretty interesting too. It's a Western cedar that grew out of a glacial boulder and ended up not only being able to survive growing out of a rock, but it actually split the boulder in two. And nowadays locals call it the rock tree. Great name, very clear. And a subdivision has actually been built around it, but it's
1: still standing tall. Okay. So that tree probably witnessed glaciers come and go, pre-contact ecosystems, and now a suburb. Like, that's quite a life. Right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, the biggest story I think that
0: trees tell us is one of climate change. You know, the bigger, hotter fires that have recently scorched western North America are writing their stories in the trees that survive. The trees are recording and tracking this info. It's fascinating.
1: Well, yeah, and trees you know, help keep us alive. They are actively working against climate change.
0: Yeah, they are our most crucial allies at cleaning the air by taking in CO2 for photosynthesis, you know, so it's really concerning to know that there are more than 140,000 hectares of old growth forests that are logged each year in BC. And now places like the home to the yellow cedars are being slated for clear-cut logging between the year of 2020, this
1: year, and 2024. Right. And, you know, you said that the yellow cedar specifically is so big and old that bears use them as dens. Our children's books <laughs> will be out next year, early next year. Um, <laughs> But this tree houses lots of bears Um, and this will also affect them and the entire that entire ecosystem. Right. Yeah. Animals. It's not just the trees. Right. It's it's so many of us. And it's incredible how long they have been here and how important they are. If these trees are, you know, being clear cut or, you know, are catching fire in these massive forest fires, then that threatens entire ecosystems. Right. Like it's not just the trees. It's so many things.
0: Yeah, they're connected to everything. They're so critical to that area, you know, to us as well. It just seems so short sighted to cut them down. I just think, you know, as humans, we're always looking for a way to live on, right? And to be remembered, this is what we learn in this show. Um, We write things, people have children, and they build monuments, not realizing that, you know, it's the trees that are witnessing our humanity and just may be the ones who can tell our story long after we're gone.